we know we are called to be like Christ, imitators of Christ. And in the letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul advised them, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul didn't just teach this, he, he lived it. In his letter to the Corinthians, he told them to follow his example as he followed the example of Christ. Now, at first read, you might think that statement is rather arrogant. You know, be like me. Don't you want to be like me? Look at me. But it takes a humbleness to direct the attention and give credit where it's truly due. Listen to his words again. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So he's saying, follow Christ's example like I am. He's not saying, follow me. Furthermore, he points out his shortcomings in his efforts to imitate the perfect one. Again, to the early church in Corinth, he wrote these words. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Please keep this in mind as we begin this morning's message. Now, during the past message series, we talked about the many facets of being imitators of God. We talked about letting the light into our life and helping others to do the same. And we were reminded that when the opportunity presents itself or when we could create the opportunity, we should be that light to others. We learned about using the same teaching tools that Jesus used to share the good news of God's love. And last week we were reminded how he is seated at the right hand of God and continues to work on our behalf even today. And although we spent only 20 minutes each of the past few Sundays discussing these, we should never stop learning about God and Jesus. More so, we should never stop applying these lessons to our lives. And with what we understand so far, what do you think it means when we say that we should be Christ-like? As audience participation, what do you think it means when we say that we should be Christ-like? What are some of the things we should be doing? Right. Loving. Helpful. Helpful. Compassionate. Compassionate. Anything else? Yielding to God's will, that's right. How realistic is this to achieve? Throw out a number. On a scale of 1 to 10 or percentage, how good are we or how should we try to go after these love and compassion and, and goodness and, and yielding to God's will? We should be 10, but what's realistic? Five? Higher to five? That's fine. Shout out. Everyone has a number in their head right now, so it's good to hear these. Yes, we're right. We should be shooting for a 10. Uh, but uh, yeah, and that's not a trick question. I don't want you to think I'm picking on you for your answer, but let me share a story with you. And, and when I was a regional operations manager for a major satellite network, um, one of my responsibilities was safety for our technicians. And the goal for technician safety was 96%. I'm like, that's pretty good, 96%. Doesn't sound bad at all. But what that number represents was the fact that I would get an attaboy and a cash bonus if only three people that worked for me got hurt in a given month. That sounds horrible, especially if you're one of the three, right? Why not make that goal 100% safety? And the answer is this, because it was determined that by someone in the company that a number that high would be viewed as, viewed as unattainable, impossible, and therefore everyone would give up, right? It's a demotivator. What a horrible commentary that is on the confidence of the human condition, if that were true. That number was shouted out. What was it five? I heard a 10, but I think I heard a couple more fives. Imagine if we applied that number as the goal for honoring God's commandments. 
which ones do you think we should give up on? Murder? Steal? As apostle, we've already given up on some like lying and coveting because, you know, it's just too hard. Or loving everyone because that's just too hard too. They're, they're unattainable. It's, we, we shouldn't even try because it's demotivating to think that, that we should go after all 10 of these, all 100% of what God's called us to do. And of course, this isn't how we are to view the instructions of being Christ-like. Jesus' own words from the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He didn't say 96%. He didn't say 5 out of 10. He said, be perfect. And this brings me to the title of this week's message. For those who may not be familiar with the meaning behind the name, nailed it. Let's take a minute and watch a video. We did not have vodka at Bible study this morning. <laughs> but as you saw, the premise for this television show was a bunch of amateurs trying to imitate a professional. In this case, it was cooking. So does that sound familiar? Aren't we a bunch of amateurs trying to imitate God's perfection? And this concept, it does. It makes an entertaining show. And in order to keep me out of trouble with the copyright people, when this podcast goes online, I should tell you that it's actually on Netflix. Because I did get my hand slapped for playing some music on one of my podcasts. And, and so there's, there's your credit. Netflix is uh, where you can watch it show. It's actually really entertaining. But that being said, friends, have I got a treat for you today. During this morning's Bible study time, we did a little project. We attempted to nail it. So let's look at what we accomplished. Go ahead and click that. So here are some of the things we're trying to, to achieve. There's some flowery looking things. Um, go ahead and click on another one. There's some cacti, right? Another one. Yeah, some beautiful flowers, right? We had all the same tools, okay? There was no trickery. Go ahead. Here's where we ended up. We did some emojis. Pretty good. Pretty good. One more. Pretty good. Not bad, actually, right? Not bad. I was, I was impressed. May not have nailed it. <laughs> right? And I'd love to tell you the point of the message is no matter what the decoration looks like, it tastes delicious. But I am inclined to tell you that I bake those myself. I make no guarantees. But, but I would like to move quickly to the real messages, and that is that we are called to perfection. And that's right, just like we read in the verses at the beginning of this message, we are called to be imitators of God and Christ in all their perfection. However, our Heavenly Father loves, who loves you with mercy and grace and understanding, He knows you well, a lot of ways better than you know yourself. And He created each of us with certain gifts and talents and without certain gifts and talents. His hope and expectation for us is excellence, right? Excellence. From Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
God knows you. He's got a plan for you. And he equipped you with everything you need to accomplish that plan. So excellence, when I say excellence, it may mean perfection in the specific areas that God gifted you. From Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so when Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The Apostle Paul explains the same message in slightly different wording in Corinthians. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each of you, now to each one, the manifestation of Spirit is given for the common good. So when it comes to your God-given gifts and talents, you should go all out with your efforts to use them according to the purpose that God has called you to. You heard him say, if your gift is teaching, then teach. If it's leading, lead diligently. If it's gen- giving, then, then give generously. But as the scriptures remind us, not all gifts and talents are possessed by all or in the same manner. In these other areas, excellence may mean giving your best effort. Scripture advises, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And it also instructs whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. And your teachings show integrity and seriousness. Now, excellent means doing it for the glory of God. From 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then from the book, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Can you imagine how different the world would be if everyone took this attitude and viewed everything they do as if they were doing it for the Lord. Imagine a world where people committed to the right things and then fulfilled those commitments. What a different place this would be. You know, excellence means pressing on despite worldly opinions and obstacles. On one of his missionary journeys, the Apostle Paul met a young Jew named Timothy who would become his companion and co-worker in preaching the gospel. In his first recorded letter to Timothy, Paul tells him, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Right? The world might have judged him because of his age. Might judge us because of how we look or or our past or decisions we've made. He says, don't let anyone look down on you that. Set an example in your speech and in your conduct in love, faith, and purity. He's telling us that today. Excellence means putting your faith in action. You must do something with your faith. Jesus' disciple James wrote, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And James continues with these words. He says, But be doers of the words, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in doing. Put your faith into action. So you may be wondering what your, what your gifts and talents are. What are the things you should be doing, saying, and using according to God's purpose for you? God created you and he knows you very well and what you're capable of, even if you don't. So ask him. Ask God to reveal his answer through his word by seeking the answer in the Bible. From Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Look to the Bible and see if something speaks to you and says, this is a gift I've given you. This is an, an action you can take. Another way to find out is you ask God to reveal his answer when you talk to him. How do we talk to him? It's through prayer. The answer is found in answered prayers, and sometimes God's answer is found in unanswered ones, right? One of the verses that I cling to for courage and strength is James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And you've heard me say this before. I used to stop there. That's a good motivator. It's good. Okay. I don't know that I want to consider it joy. I'm certainly not happy, but I can take peace and confidence in this because what I'm going through, God is aware of. And on the other side of this, I'm going to develop some perseverance. But several years ago, I read on to see what it said next. and said, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Well, that's a fantastic promise. But if you think about it, it's also saying you're not just going to have one problem. Let perseverance finish its work. Go through these struggles and learn and go to the next one and learn. So sometimes these unanswered prayers, when we throw our hands up and say, God, are you even hearing what I'm asking you for? He's saying, yeah, I'm hearing, but I got something better in mind for you. Another way to find out what your gifts and talents are, what you could be doing, is to ask a trusted friend. Pray about what you're good at. Say, you know, will you pray for me? Will you, what you know of me? Is there something you think that I'm good at or I'm called to do? And if they ask God through prayer and study, they may affirm the direction you should go. A kernel of wisdom from the book of Proverbs says, For lack of guidance, a nation fails, but victory is won through many advisors. It is good to have people alongside you, a trusted friend who has God at the center of their life. Also from Proverbs, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. If you see someone with the talent or ability, encourage them. Because that's what our friend Apostle Paul, he wrote these words of encouragement to the Philippians. He said, and this is my prayer, that your love may bound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He's encouraging them, praying for them. That's what we're called to do. And we learned that one of Jesus' powerful tools was to pray often. Do you see how Paul imitated Christ by faithfully praying? That's an example of what we are to do as well. Remember his words. He said, be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. Christ prayed for his followers. Paul prayed for his followers. We should pray for Jesus' followers. And Paul offered words of, words of encouragement to the early church in Rome. This is from Romans 15, 14. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Right? There's words of encouragement. Filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. This is another example from Palm. Paul's obedience to the instructions given in Hebrews 10.25. He says, don't give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, 
and all the more as you see the day of approaching. We talk about this as a, a role of the church, to meet together, to encourage each other more and more, to lift each other up, not only in prayer, but in all kinds of support. So my risky prayer for all of us this week is that God will stretch our faith and our confidence in the skills that we, he created us to use in his name and power. What's cool is that God delights in requests like this. I say these things are risky prayers because when you, when you ask him, you may not like the way God's going to answer this prayer. You know, if you're asking him to stretch your faith, he's going to call on you to have a little more faith in an area. And that takes a little bit of stretching, right? We talked about that. So these are risky prayers, but they're good prayers. And God delights in requests like this. And it is right in line with Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount where, where he said, we are the light of the world. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. These are Jesus' words. And you may take confidence in this statement. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through a knowledge of him who are called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And friends, those aren't just my words. Those are God's own words made as a promise found in 2 Peter. And it goes on to include this additional promise. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you hear the promise? For those who are obedient and pursuing perfection through their excellence, God has a blessing in store them and for you listen to just a few verses that promise a blessing from first corinthians fifteen fifty eight. therefore my brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the lord because you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain first peter 2 9 but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And then again, Paul's letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.13. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And lastly, from Psalm 37.5.6, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. That was part of our response of reading. So don't store your treasures on earth where rust and, and moths destroy. And he's not just talking about possessions. I mean, clearly, literally, that could be that the things that are destroyed. But he's talking about everything. Your, your life is limited to the number of years that you have. Your soul is not. Where and how do you want to spend eternity? He's saying, store your treasures up there. So when, when I read these scriptures and it talks about that your labor is not in vain because the efforts that are made here, whether they come to fruition here and are fruitful here, are not, are recognized there. All right? And this is all great news. It's wonderful news. It's a wonderful promise. But I want to give you a couple words of warning. You know, we laughed at our efforts to nail it. Maybe we laughed politely because we did put genuine effort into our cupcakes and, and cookies. But with all seriousness, there are consequences for not at least making an effort at imitating God and Jesus' perfection. We are to give it our best effort. First, don't become so focused on what you are good at or, or what is enjoyable that you forgo 
all that you're called to be and do. And this is easy for us to do sometimes. I'm really good at this, so I'm going to focus on that. That's fantastic. But there are other parts of, of faith and action that we must take. From 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and love we have kindled in you, that's great. What a great list of things you're good at. See also the excel in the grace of giving. Don't forget those things. Remember the rich young ruler who had all this stuff and he committed his life and he said, oh, really? Well, there's one thing you didn't do and that's to give everything and follow me. Now, that, that's not what everybody's called to do, but if there's one thing stum- that's holding you up from committing full of your life, that is what Jesus wants you to work on. We're going to talk about that next week because as we approach the season of Lent leading up to Easter, it is a tradition of some to give something up. And so next week we're going to talk about what are we to quit? What should we give up on? What is it okay to give up on? Okay. Second, continue to focus on what is good and pursue those things with excellence. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, and you've heard this before, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And it's not just about focusing on the positive. The way our mind works is there's X amount of space in there. Now you can put this in it, then there's no room for that. He's saying focus on these things. It's amazing. You can't quit a bad habit or a bad thought without replacing with something else. So find a verse. Find something that is pure and noble and right. And maybe it's a time commitment. If you're finding that your time is being spent on things that you shouldn't, replace those. Focus on what is good and noble and right and pure. Replace those things with that infinite amount of space and time you have. Proverbs 4.23, again, kernel of wisdom, says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Protect this. Protect this. The things that you do and see and you want, they have a way of getting in there, and then it has a way of coming back out. And my third word of warning is, we will all be held accountable before God's throne someday. This is from 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each day, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether or good or bad. Okay? So it's not just a punishment condemnation. You're going to be recognized for what's good. Okay? Isn't it a good thing that we know the expectations, right? They're laid out in the Bible. These are the things you shall do and the things you shall not. So isn't it good that we know the expectations, and we have a good and a fair judge and an advocate in our Savior Jesus Christ. He says, yeah, he messed up. He messed up, but I covered that, remember? Remember that cross thing I did for this guy, this girl? So as I close this week's message, let me leave you with the final thought. God knows us personally. He knows you personally. And he should. He made you. And his word, which is the Bible, declares the truth that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So God's word also reminds us that you've been saved and called to a holy life. You've been called to nail it, not because of anything you've done, but because of his own purpose and grace for you. So remember that truth this week. Stand on that promise and don't be deceived by the devil's lies. You have a good and pure calling, okay? So let's nail it. Let's pray. Father God, we're far from perfect. 
and you know that. You know what we're good at, where we find ourselves lacking. You know, you know what we are talented with, what we are called to do. And Lord, our, our biggest discouragement is when we try to focus on the wrong things. We try to be the best or perfect at something that we aren't designed to be. And just as scripture tells us, the body is made up of many parts, not all are identical, each has their specific purpose. So as we seek the answer in your word and through prayer of what we should be pursuing as a means of perfection, whether it's through speaking or teaching or singing or serving or giving generously, let's do that. And let's not forgo those other areas. In those areas, let's strive to do all we can, to work hard, to do it in a way that honors you. Father God, you have such high hopes and expectations for us, but what a joy it is that they are known. We know what you expect, and we know that hope that you have for us, and that hope is a godly life that ends in eternity in your presence. Father God, we thank you for your son, the sacrifice he gave that covers our imperfections. It covers this gap between us and perfection. So as we continue to try every day, as we pick up our cross and, and fight the struggles that, that attempt to distract us, help us to stay focused. Invoke that spirit within us that keeps our head turned the right direction and on that path. God, we thank you, especially as we come into the season of, of Easter, of what this means for our salvation. It means a hope. And God, as always, I just want to pray for the empty places in the pews this week that they are a reminder of us that it's important to invite and welcome all into a relationship with you. God, I thank you for your blessing over the service and all gathered here, all listening online today. May all we do please you. Amen.